you have that scripture for me? It's 1 Samuel. If you want to mark this in your Bible, those of you that maybe you don't get to make all the missions trips, maybe you don't get to go on all of the missions ventures, but you, you're at home, you're, you're at home with the local church. This passage, if you just read that whole chapter 30 of 1 Samuel, and then down about verse 20, 24, let's see, let me just pick it up. There were, there were, I'll tell you what, let me show you the one I'm talking about. About verse 10, David, it says, but David pursued, he was going after the army there. He and 400 men, it says, for 200 stayed behind who were exhausted and faint to cross the brook. So 200, 400 pursued and 200 stayed behind. Then if you'll skip on to about verse, this is off the cuff here. Let me think, where do I want to go? Uh, verse 20, just pick it up about verse 20. It says, and David took the flocks and the herds, which they drove before those other cattle and says, this is David's spoil. And in other words, they were returning home from the battle with a great spoil. And David came to the 200 men who had stayed behind, which were faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide in the brook. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them and then answered all the wicked men and the men of Belial for, of those that went with David and said, because they were not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil. In other words, they didn't want to share the spoil with those that stayed behind. And David, in verse 23, then David said, you shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our land. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff, they shall part alike. And verse 25 says, and it was so from that day forward, that he made it a statue and an ordinance. And basically what David said is, you know, no matter if you go or no matter if you stay, your reward's the same. You share in the reward. So to those of you who maybe don't get to make the missions trips or get to go, you know, uh, every time if, if, if the church is taking missions trips or teams out, you know, the, the, the fact is, is whether you go or stay, the reward's the same. And I really believe even for this week, for those of you who work so hard, Pastor Caesar and the team and uh, all of you that work to put this camp together, you know, whether you get to stand on the platform or not, the, battle, the reward is the same. And you'll share in an eternal reward. You'll share in an re- eternal reward for what God did this week. And as Pastor Lau takes those mission trips, as he goes out to the nation, as he goes out and those of you, others that go with him, those of you that go, those of you that stay, your portion is just the same. Your part is just the same. And, uh, you know, it's important for us to know that because sometimes we don't get to see the faces of the lives that get changed. Sometimes we don't get to experience the glory, the nights of glory and revival. Sometimes we don't get that. We're just back home, you know, we're in the grind. We're back home doing the admin stuff. And we don't get to see all of the joys and experience all of that. But I promise you there's an ordinance that was set forth that day on the, on the plane when David said, no, 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 no. He said, those that go and those that stay, the reward's the same. And he made it an ordinance that day. So you can take great rest and great pleasure in knowing, I didn't actually get on that big plane and go, but my part, my reward is just the same. Because when Dr. Loud went, we enabled him to go. When the teams went out, we enabled them to go. And our portion, the spoils are the same. So I just encourage you with that this morning, that word to those of you who stay by the stuff. You know, we have a young man in our school. Uh, 
every kid that comes through our school, you know, one of the things they really want to do is travel. And because they know that we take teams out. And we have one young man. And all the years that we've had the school, we have one young man who feels called to stay by the stuff. He never wanted to travel. He said, God told me a long time ago, I'm supposed to stay by the stuff. I'm supposed to stay at the local church, that that's my place. And I'm supposed to do what I can to make that local church just as strong as it can be and keep the teams intact and keep things going. He said, that's what I'm called to do. And, you know, that really blesses me. As Pastor Jess Tomac, you know, he just, he said, I'm called to stay. And I think that's great. You know, some people are called to go. Some people are called to stay. But the portion, the reward's the same. Amen? So I encourage you with that this morning. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Back about the first part of the year, uh, we were praying, Pastor Joe and I were praying about, if you have your notes this morning, you want to open those notes. Uh, I'm going to do, uh, do the teaching on what's behind door number one. Anybody remember that show? Now, I know I'm telling my age. I know I'm telling my age. Anybody remember Monty Hall and Let's Make a Deal? Y'all remember? Oh, good. I don't feel so bad. What's behind door number one? He said, you can have what's in my hand or you can have what is in, you know, behind door number one where Carol Merrill is standing. You watched it on TV land? That ain't funny. That ain't funny. I don't like that. I watched it on ABC, NBC, or CBS. Back when there was only three. (laughs) Live and in color. That's true. I used to love that show. I think I always took what was in his hand because you never knew what was behind the door. You know, it could be some nice little prize. For those of you that never saw it, the game show host, he would have something in his hand that looked pretty nice, you know. Or he gave the contestants the choice of taking what's behind the door. They just never got to see what was behind the door until, you know, they chose. And then it could be a donkey, you know, <laughs> or it could be a cart, or it could be a boa constrictor, or it could be anything, you know, or it could be a washer and a dryer or a new car. I mean, you just never knew. And, uh, but, you know, part of the excitement was what's behind the door. Maybe it's better than what's in our hand, you know. Well, back about the first part of the year, the Lord spoke a word to us at City Worship Center. And basically, it went something like this, says uh, to our church, he said, this is going to be the year of the open door. And if you remember this or not, back about January, this is going to be the year of the open door. I'm going to open doors no man can shut, and I'll close those doors that no man could open. I believe this word was timely for us as a church, but I really believe this word was, a, uh, this, uh, word was probably a word for your church as well. I'm going to open doors that no man could shut, and I'm going to close those doors that no man should open. Well, we don't always understand the word of the Lord in its full capacity. It comes, we prophesy in part, we know in part. Uh, That part about the closed doors, you know, it's like, oh, wow, what is that? But I don't know. I just know that the word of the Lord came to us, that there were going to be some doors open to us as a church, as a ministry. And we're seeing the fulfillment of that prophecy uh, even as we speak. Those of you who Pastor Joe shared just a brief part with you about two years ago, we tried to purchase property in Austin. As I told you yesterday, Seattle's sort of like Austin, same climate, same field, not temperature, but same spiritual climate, you know. And, uh, and we tried to purchase 26 acres. And long story short, 
the older man who had the property got a better offer than what we offered. And uh, we asked him for a couple of weeks to tie up some loose ends past the contract. He would not give us the two weeks, and uh, he sold the land out from under us. And it was so disappointing. It was so discouraging. You know, we took our people through this, you know, believing God. I'll tell you what, we preached on Joshua. We preached on possessing the land. Man, I mean, we did everything. We did the layouts and we did the print work and we did the, uh, on the land we got on the land. I mean, we did everything in the natural that we could do, you know. And the old man sold the property to someone else. And you talk about devastated. I mean, it was, it was just like, oh, like all the wind went out of our sails. Like, are we idiots? Do we, do we not hear from God? And so through a series of events, God began to speak to us. And last August, we were in Hawaii for a couple of days. We went over to do a pastor friend. His daughter got married, and we did the music for the wedding and then did the uh, service for her. She was the worship leader of the church. And God began to speak to us massively while we were there. And talk to us about a passage of scripture. Maybe Pastor Joel share that passage with you. But it's basically where God talks to David about build, uh, David wants to build God a house, and uh, and he says to the old prophet, he says, you know, tell God I want to meet, I want to build him a house. And the old prophet says, yeah, fine, build a house. And then God speaks to the prophet and says, no, tell David, go back and tell David, I don't need a house. I've never had a house. I don't have to have a house. Tell him I want to build him a house. And, of course, the, really the reality of the fact was, is that, was that through the house of David would come Jesse, who would come the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was the house he was talking about. So, so, so through a series of events, the Lord spoke to us about going back to Austin to forget the land. The Lord didn't have to have that. He wanted us to build the people. He wanted us to build the house, build the work of God there, build the kingdom of God, build the people, love the people, touch the people, feed the people. And when the time was right, he would give us our land. Well, fast forward two years. That's what we've been doing for the last almost two years this August. And uh, back just about four weeks ago, the guy who bought the land calls my husband and says... Do you still want that property? And my husband said, yes, I believe that's always been our... And long story short, he made a very economical way for us to take hold of that land. And when we get home next week, we're at least purchasing that land for just uh, about $2,600 a month. And uh, we're going we're gonna to take it down in part. And even if we have to put a tent up on it for a while and have church out in the air dome, we're going to do that release some of our finances and we're going to put our monies toward the land. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So even as we speak this morning, those, uh, those doors that the Lord prophetically spoke to us are being open. Well, uh, I, I just share one, I'll, I'll share you two funny door stories that have happened to me right after we moved. Um, we moved to Florida in 1995, 96 to work with pastor Rodney Howard Brown. And we went, uh, we were looking at houses, you know, and this realtor took us into this really nice house and she's going to show us, you know, how, how this house. And so we, uh, if you know anything about Florida homes, anybody been to Florida? Interesting homes. They're very interesting. They're built out of cinder block and they're all kind of box looking, you know, but just about every house has a pool. 
Because, you know, it's hot and it's humid down there and, and it's a real selling point. So just about every house has a pool. So she took us to about three or four houses. Well, she walked us in this one house and you walk in the main front door. And I mean, it's a beautiful house. And we walk through. The first thing you see, there's a pool in the backyard and there's these big sliding glass doors. And the doors slide into the wall. So you don't even see the doors and the outside of the house kind of becomes a part of the, the inside of the house. It's amazing. It's really pretty. So she pushes those doors back, and she says, you know, look, look, you know, this is how this works. And I walked outside by the pool, and I'm like oohing and on over the pool and the patio. Well, I didn't see it. I wasn't even paying any attention. Well, while I'm like looking at the pool, this woman comes and closes the glass doors. And it's, you know, I didn't know it. So I, I ooh, yeah, 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 I like this house. I turned back around. I walked in. Bam! I walked into those, do you remember that? Were you there? I walked in those stinking glass doors, man. I felt so, you ever felt like an idiot? Anybody ever walked into a glass door? Okay, I'm not the only one. (laughs) I felt so crazy. I'll tell you one other story about doors. Uh, Texas Tech University, they used to have a coach there by the name of Spike Dykes. I don't know if you know Spike, but he was a motivational speaker after he retired from coaching football at Texas Tech University. Just a great man, a great storyteller. And uh, I heard him tell this story one time. He said, when I was a little boy, he said, I was probably back about the 40s or 50s. He said, we lived out in the plains of West Texas. And uh, he said, every, we lived on a big ranch out there. And he said, ever so often, we'd load up the truck and the car. And we'd go into town and shop down into Amarillo. He said, one Christmas, he said, my dad loaded us family up. We were going into the big city to go shopping. And he said, we drove into Amarillo, and he said, they got their first high-rise building in Amarillo, Texas. He said, it was beautiful. He said, uh, he dropped my mom off at the, one of the stores, and uh, we were going to stay in this hotel. He said, dropped my mom off at the store. He said, you know, honey, go ahead and get started with your shopping. You know, said, uh, Spike and I will go in and check us in. So he said, we dropped my mom off at the stores, and we walked into the hotel, and he said, I'm just like in awe. He said, it's just gorgeous. Never seen anything like it in my life. And he said, I looked over to the side, and he said, there was these two big silver doors. Beautiful. Had a little clock kind of thing up at the top of it. He said, in a minute, I stood there, and I was watching those doors, and he said, all of a sudden, he said, that clock dinged, and those doors opened, and he said, this old woman, kind of large woman, got on, got, walk, walked through those doors, said the doors closed, said that clock went, said came right back down, said those doors open, and said the most beautiful woman walked out of those doors. He said, Dad, what was that? He said, I don't know, honey, but go get your mama. We're going to run her through at least once. <laughs> Go get your mama. I'm going to run her through at least once. (laughs) Oh, Lord. You know, there's all kinds of doors that come in our lives. I just talked to you quickly this morning about three or four doors that kind of have a bit of succession to them. The Lord showed me in my own life. And if you have your notes there, you don't want to just make a few notes here. The first door that I want to talk to you about this morning is the door of opportunity. The door of opportunity. 
This represents those times in our lives when God opens to us new seasons. It could be a career move, a change of job. It could mean new relationships or a new school or even a new country. The door of opportunity is great because it represents new. New is good. New is good. I like new. I like, I like new. I like new clothes and new bags. And I like new. New is good. New is exciting. New can also be challenging. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 7, out of the Message Bible, Paul makes a statement here, speaks of some things here to the Corinthian church. He says, I don't want to just drop by in between other primary destinations. I want a good, long, leisurely visit. If the master agrees, well, have it. He says, for the present, I'm staying right here in Ephesus. For a huge door of opportunity for good work has opened here. But there is also mushrooming opposition. Now, opportunities represent new seasons. That's true. Uh, If you think back to when you were born again, what an opportunity that was. I traveled, as Joe said a little bit this morning, I traveled with the Cruz family for a while. That was a, ma- that was a massive opportunity, a massive door of opportunity for me. If you can believe this, I was the shyest. Um, I, I, I was just a shy, very backward. My mom and dad were older. I didn't have any speaking skills. I had no communication. I just wanted to hide behind people. So I think back to my years, that opportunity to come with a family, and it kind of pushed me, you know, sort of to the forefront. And then later on, when Pastor Joe and I married, and, you know, I had opportunities to stand up before the people. I mean, if you see me today, and you saw me where I was when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, you wouldn't even believe it was the same person. Because, I I mean, God has done an amazing... But all of those opportunities to come out and to stand and declare the word of the Lord, I mean, it was a wonderful, wonderful door of opportunity when I began to travel with the Cruz family. I mean, even for those of you who are married, what a wonderful door of opportunity as you stepped into that relationship with that covenant partner. It was a new season. It was a new opportunity for you. Uh, Maybe, you know, just even parenting... Parenting, man, what a new opportunity for you to learn some things that you've never known. Uh, Joe and I, we were pretty selfish till we had kids. We liked to sleep in. We liked to, you know, stay up late. We liked to do all, but, you know, we had kids. That was a new season in our life. You know what I'm talking about. So new opportunities, new seasons. I'll tell you a thing about uh, the door of opportunity. It can also represent new assignments, Not only new season, but new assignments. New assignments. You know, I think back to the places that we served. Uh, We first served his father and mother for many years in in ministry. His father and mother were the leaders of our group. And we traveled together as a family. And we were there with them for many years. And then in 1990, our assignment changed. We had a new opportunity to step into. And we went to work for a, a, a man... In Dallas, Texas, went to work for a church there called Church on the Rock at that time. Church on the Rock. It was Larry Lee's church. And uh, it was a new opportunity for us. It was a new season. It was a, it was a new assignment for us. God had moved us 
Many of you today, I believe even last night, you, you received a new assignment. Maybe something that God began to speak to you that says, you know what? You may look the same on the outside, but I've got something different for you on the inside. A new assignment, if you will. A new assignment. A new season. <clears throat> a new assignment. And then Paul there said, a door has opened for me, but there's mushrooming opposition. Let me tell you this. With new seasons and new assignments come new challenges. New challenges. Mushrooming opposition, Paul called it. Let me tell you this. Not everybody's going to be excited about your opportunities. Not everybody's going to be as thrilled about your opportunities as you are. Sometimes you're going to get little to none support. Sometimes the dreams that God has put in your heart, the ideas and the assignment that that you believe God's given you, not everybody's going to be excited about. Because with that new door comes some opposition. With that new door of opportunity comes opposition. It will, I promise you. If you haven't faced that yet, it's it's going to have challenges are coming your way. Just wait. Remember, with new opportunity, you can find opposition. It's inevitable. But let me tell you this. With that opposition, you step into the next door. Door number two is the door of discovery. I love this door. I love this door of discovery. Have you discovered something about yourself even this year that you don't already know? You know, one of the things I discovered shortly after uh, we went to work for Pastor Ani, I discovered one thing about myself I did not know. I was a lot stronger than I thought I was. You know, when I was a kid, like I said, I was shy and, you know, just, I didn't, I was kind of weak. I grew up with parents that were, um, let me think how to say this nicely. They were kind of chronic complainers. My parents were complainers. Well, my mama was, my dad was not too bad. You didn't hear much from my dad, but my mom was kind of a complainer and I sort of grew up in that. And you know, if things weren't just right, I, I, I would complain and, you know, I, I just was that, I'm going to tell you what, when I went on the road with Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, I was a, I figured out I was a lot stronger. I discovered that I was a lot stronger and I could do more things that God required of me than I ever really knew. You see, you don't really know what's in you till you're put to the test. You don't really know who the real you is until you're put under the pressures of life. And then what comes out out of those pressures is the real you. I I pray that at this camp, even this week, that you begin to discover some things about yourself. Did you know the word discover actually is to disrobe? To disrobe, to unmask, to uncover. Discovery, discovery allows you to take a good long look at yourself, a self-examination, if you will. And through the years, church, I've had some opportunities to discover lots of things about myself. First Peter 1, 6 through 7 says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You see, through the trials and tests, you discover the real you. In other words, the wraps come off and the real you comes out. That door of discovery, you know, sometimes it's a bit painful Sometimes there's some good things you discover about yourself. Sometimes there's some not so good things that you discover about yourself. 
You, you find some strengths and you find some weaknesses. But it's okay. It's all right. This is a very important door because for you to be able to move forward and your walk, you need to take a long look at yourself. Proverbs 23 tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, it's not so much what we say that measures us, it's sometimes what we think that measures us. And so finding out who we really are, standing before yourself, looking at a long, hard look at, at the strengths and the challenges in you, God needs to work in those areas of your life. First of all, I think you want to discover your strengths. And just think a moment about your own personal self. Evaluate yourself and say, well, these are my strengths. Are you passionate? Are you a servant? Are you a leader? Are you focused? Are you tenacious about things you won't let go? Discover the strengths that are in you and celebrate those. Celebrate those. Those are good things. Those are good things. You know, I had a strong-willed child. He isn't here today, so I can talk about him. Jody was my strong-willed child early on. And, you know, at first, as a young parent, you just don't know what to do. I mean, you know, the more you spank, the more you shout, the more you get mad at the kid, it's like, you know, what good does it do? Till he got into uh, high, about, he was about 15, 16 years old. And I discovered that that will, that strong will, because he had been molded in the things of God and around the things of God, he was able to stand in the face of adversity in his high school like I'd never really seen a young man stand before. And I I just say to you that maybe in the rough form, your strengths are rough, but they're there for a reason because God can mold those and make you into something. He can use those kind of rough strengths, those rough edges, and, and, and it's part of the destiny that God's called you to. I'll tell you one thing about my husband. He's one of the most tenacious people I've ever met in my life. He doesn't let go. He will not quit. To say quit to Joe is just like you could just talk to your blue in the face. He will not quit. He will not give up. He will not just throw in the towel. He is not one of those kind of people. But as I've watched him over the years take a hold of the ministry that God has given us, I know why God put that in him. I used to get so mad. It was like he would never back down. He would never just say, come on, honey, we missed it. He would never say that. You know, I just thought, man, can you just back off, you know? But I realized that God had put that tenacity in him, that tenacious heart, that will to never quit, to never say die, because that we were going to have to face some things as we embraced the ministry God gave us. And that heart in him, that tenaciousness in him was for a purpose. It was part of the plan of God. It was for the destiny that God would call him to. And there have been many opportunities in the last seven years that if it had been up to me, if I'd have been ahead of this ministry, I'm telling you, you, baby, I'd have thrown in the towel and I'd have gone done something else because it's hard. It looked great on paper. It did. It looked great on paper. You write out your dream, you know, we're going to do this and do that. I'm telling you, it looked great on paper. But the walking out of having your own ministry and schools and traveling and all that kind of stuff, I mean, they're getting down to it. And had I not had someone 
with that tenacious heart and that drive and that desire just to, you know, stay in there and stick in there and stick it out. Man, uh, and so God will put strengths in your life. You may see them in the raw form early on. You might see it in your kids in the raw form. Well, they're strong or they're, you know, whatever. Don't, don't, don't worry about that. God can conform those things and make them for his glory and for his honor. Amen? So discover those things that in you, discover those strengths. Discover those things that are strong in you. Take a moment to evaluate yourself. What are the good things? You might just want to, on your sheet there, maybe just write some things that you feel are strengths that you bring to the body of Christ. Things that you you feel strong about yourself. Because you know what? Sometimes you just need to go back and recognize what's good in you. We're so used to beating up ourselves sometimes and putting ourselves down and thinking we're not inadequate. But you know what? You need to go back and celebrate the strengths in you. You do. You need to rediscover why God made you like he made you and celebrate that. Because it was for a purpose. God didn't make a mistake. And then, as much as we hate to sometimes, you need to discover your weaknesses. Are you indifferent? To some things? Unfocused? Is it hard for you to focus? Are you impatient? Does your tongue get you in trouble? Oh, did she have to say that? Did she have to go there, Becky? Look at what David says in Psalms 26.2 in the message. I like it. He says, examine me, O God, from head to foot. Order your battery of tests. Make sure I'm fit inside and out. David was not afraid to say to the Lord, check me out, Lord, what changes need to be made in the door of discovery through the door of discovery. You know what? Just trust God. Say, Lord, you have my permission. Make the changes do in me, make the adjustments. Show me what I need to change. Show me what's good. Show me what needs to go. Because I promise you before you step into that next door, you're going to have to take a long, hard look at where you are and ask God to make the necessary adjustments. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, in the message, he says, test yourselves to make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. I like that version. Because, you know, for, for you to move into the next door, you've got to, got to consider that door of opportunity and discover that next door, the door of discovery. And then the third door is the door of decision. The door of decision. You guys have arts and crafts stores up here? Do you have Michaels? I hate Michaels. I hate Michaels. I'm sorry. Me and an arts and crafts store, we do not work. Those things just drive me absolutely bananas. I have no arts and crafts agility in me whatsoever. I can walk in that store with all the flowers and all the stuff, and I can be so confused and so aggravated... And so mad at myself, and I put stuff in the basket. You can ask my husband. I can load up my basket. And before my trip to Michael's is over, I've taken and just left the basket and walked out without one thing. I'm not an artsy and crafty kind of person. 
I'm just not that kind of a person. I don't like to make decisions. That's part of it. You know, I look at something, I think, oh, that's cute. And I wonder what, well, maybe that's not so cute. And then, you know, I mean, I'm not a good decision maker. I'm just going to be honest with you. God put me with a very strong decision maker, and I thank the Lord for that. The door of decision is a place where you got to recognize about yourself, are you, are you one that can make decisions and stay with it? I'll be honest with you. This is an area for me that ain't so good. I'm not a good decision maker. I know many people who make, who won't make decisions because they're fearful they might make a wrong one. I think that might be me. Sometimes I don't like to make a decision because what if it's wrong? I heard a quote once that said, someone once said, there is more, there is no more miserable human being than one in whom nothing is habitual but indecision. And I find myself a lot like that. Sometimes it's very difficult for me to make uh, a decision. But we look in the Bible in Joshua 24, 15. One of the reasons why Joshua, I believe, was considered such a great leader was partly because of his ability to make decisions. He says here in Joshua 24, 15, And if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Listen to me. Let me just give you a quick little key and I'll move on about decisions. Uh, those of you that are afraid to make decisions because you're afraid they're going to be the wrong decisions. And, you know, we have a lot of young people that come through the doors of our, uh, of our school. And many times I'm watching them, you know, they, they complete the three years. And then because they, they feel maybe they don't have everything they need or, or you know, maybe if, what, if I, uh, what if I take a place of employment and it's not the place for me? Listen, I just want to tell you, I think that as Christians, let me, uh, this is just my own thought on this. As Christians, I believe Christians have an edge because I don't think if you're walking with the Lord and your heart is toward God and your heart is to do God's will, I I think decision-making is win-win. It is. It is. Because let me tell you this. Uh, if your heart is toward the Lord, let's say, let's just take something, for example, say uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, as far as maybe a calling or maybe does the Lord want me to do this? You know, let me just say this. If you feel stirred in your spirit that God wants you to do something, just for example, and, uh, and you feel a, a leaning toward that, but you won't, don't want to make a decision because you think, well, what if it's wrong? Let me just say to you that with the Lord, I call it kind of the double protection. Because if you make that decision and your heart is pure before God, can I just tell you, he's a loving God. He's not going to beat you over the head because you made a mistake or made a wrong choice. I believe in that decision, if it was a wrong, let's just say, hey, it wasn't the wrong. Or like with us with the property, it wasn't the fact that it was a wrong decision. It was the wrong time. But listen, there's protection. There's protection. God just looks down and goes, you know what? Those are my kids. They just think they heard me, but you know, they were just a little bit early and I'm just going to protect them. And God's protected us the last two years. Of course, if it was the right decision and the right time, then there's great blessing. I mean, that's kind of win-win as far as I'm concerned. Just go ahead and decide what it is you feel God wants you to do and just step out. Many people thwart the will of God in their lives because they never step out because they're afraid they will have messed it, messed it up. We knew a man one time who, who told us when we were in Rockwall in 1990, to this day, 
he, he told us that God had called him to the mission field, to the mission field of Mexico. And do you know he still sits in Dallas, Texas, 18, 20 years later, never answered the call of God. Afraid, afraid, afraid that it might be wrong. Listen, listen, there's blessing or there's protection. But just, but just decide. Say, Lord, I want to be one who hears your word and decides to do it. The Bible says don't just be hearer of the word, be a doer of it. Don't be afraid. Don't, be a, don't live in fear. Don't decide because you're afraid it's the wrong choice. Just say, God, you know my heart. My heart is to follow after you, Lord. In the best of my ability, this is what I think it is. And then step out in faith and do it. And there'll be blessing or there'll be protection. Either way, God's on your side. Amen? Either way, God's on your side. The door of decision so important. It's so important. That door of decision, so important. The door of decision leads us into the fullness of all God has for us. Amen? And then the door of destiny. Let's just close with this one right quick. God's plans for us were determined even before we knew him or loved him. The door of opportunity, of discovery, of decision, and of destiny await us. I want you to look at this passage in Ephesians chapter 1. I wrote it for you in the Message Bible, uh, verses 4 through 14. And I love this. Let's just read this uh, out of our notes here. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made holy and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar at the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, let us, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in the deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It is Christ that you once heard the truth and believed it. This message of your salvation found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us. A praising and glorious life. Is that a powerful, what a powerful promise for us. God had it all designed before we even came on the scene. And it wasn't just to be partially free. It was to be abundantly free. And to have everything at our disposal to do what he had called us and destined us to do. Listen, let me tell you something, church. When Jesus came into your life, you got the full measure of him. You didn't just get a little bit of Jesus to live in your heart to take you to heaven. When Jesus came in, the full measure of Jesus came in your life. 
and everything that you are called and designed and destined to do, the measure of Jesus, that same measure that raised Jesus from the dead is quickening you to do what it is God's called you to do. Don't let that stop you from your destiny. Let you, let, let me tell you this morning that the destiny God's put in you is to be fulfilled. It's not dangled out in front of you like a carrot. God is not that kind of a God that he would dangle your destiny and say, here, it's not attainable. But everything from the foundation of the world was put inside you to fulfill the great destiny that God has called us to. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Perhaps you have some dreams that are yet to be fulfilled. A destiny that you may have caught a glimpse of. You may have even compared yourself with others who seem to be walking in their destiny. And perhaps you've wondered what's hindering you from stepping into yours. We all have dreams for families and dreams for finances and dreams for our chosen vocations. But right now, I want to challenge you to dream a little bit bigger. Allow God to stir in your heart his dream for you. I promise his dream is better. His destiny is bigger. Why? Because God's thoughts are higher and his ways are higher and his plans are higher. Hallelujah. He has a dream and it's better than your dream. He has a destiny and it's bigger than you can currently imagine. It is also, it's bigger than you could ever imagine. You can't dream a bigger dream than God can. I want to recommend one thing to you before I close today. We use this book in our school. Pastor Joe and I are rereading this now for the umpteenth time. But it's a great book. Uh, Pastor, do you mind if I recommend books? Is that okay? Uh, Robert Morris has a book called From Dream to Destiny. And it's the story of the life of Joseph. And it talks about the ten tests from the time Joseph had his first dream until the time he stepped into the leadership of the nation, the test that he had to go through to see his dream and his destiny fulfilled. This will be a great blessing to you. I know Pastor Robert personally. Uh, Pastor Joe and I have, uh, have spent some time with Robert and Jeannie Morris. They pastor a church in Dallas, Texas, out in the South Lake area called Gateway Church. You may have some of their worship. And uh, he's a dynamic pastor. He's a pastor's pastor. They have some tremendous uh, worship and pastor conferences. And this book will bless you. Those of you who are believing God, you've got a great destiny in front of you. I believe this is a good handbook for any Christian who is on that path to the destiny that God's called them to. Because this will help you uh, as you realize you're not the only one that goes through that testing period. Um, And it's just a great, great book. So I'll just recommend that to you. Our students have it in their third year, and it will encourage you. But um, listen, I just want to challenge you. The The door of opportunity, many of you are in that place today, that door of discovery. Some of you sit, even this week, you've discovered things about yourself you didn't know. You didn't know. That door of decision, some of us just got to go ahead and decide. You know, we're just afraid. Well, if we miss God, you know, don't be afraid. There's blessing or protection. And then that door of destiny. Listen, the, 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 it's, it's wide open. It's bigger than you can dream. It's bigger than you can think. It's far above all you could dare ask or think. Take the limits off of God and step through that door of destiny into the full measure of what God has 
for you. Amen. Amen. I hope that blessed you this morning. God bless you.